Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Avram Fisher. And this week's parasha is Toledot, in which we focus uh, primarily on the life of uh, Yitzchak and Rivka, but also the next generation, Yaakov and Esav. The uh, Torah opens up uh, by telling us about the early life of Yaakov and Esav. Uh, reminds us that Yitzchak was 40 years old when he married uh, Rivka. Uh, however, Rivka was barren. And so uh, Yitzchak prays for her. Uh, apparently Rivka prays as well. Uh, until finally she does conceive. Uh, when she is carrying the pregnancy, she finds that there is a struggle going on within her, and she doesn't understand it. And so she seeks an explanation from Hashem. Uh, and the response that she receives is that there are two nations struggling within her uh, that will uh, always be vying for, uh, for superiority, uh, and they will be uh, very different from each other. Uh, finally, uh, when she uh, gives birth, she has twins uh, at the time when Yitzchak is 60 years old. The first child that is born uh, is uh, very red in complexion as well as uh, very hairy. So he looks as if he's finished. And therefore, he's called a sav, uh, maid. The second child to come out uh, comes out holding on to a sav's heel, and the second child is named Yaakov from the Hebrew word for heel, akev. As they grow up, they develop differently. A sav is a hunter, and Yaakov is a simple man who lives in tents, uh, which on one level could mean that he is a shepherd, as is. Uh, family has been, but it also means that he goes to the tents of learning Torah. Yitzchak has a preference for Esav and Rivka prefers Yaakov. As uh, as they grow older, we're told uh, about an incident in which uh, Yaakov is cooking uh, a lentil stew and Esav comes in from the field and he's so uh, hungry and tired, exhausted, that he is willing to sell uh, the right of the firstborn. And Yaakov gives him this lentil stew, uh, and uh, and as a result, uh, Yaakov has uh, purchased the right of the firstborn from Esav. Chazal explained that the right of the firstborn is not only a right of inheritance, but primarily it's a spiritual right namely the right to serve as the Kohen. Before the sin of the golden calf, it was the firstborn that served as the Kohanim, and Yaakov wanted that, and Esav uh, had no interest in it. Um, And so he had no problem selling it. After this, uh, we have a section of the parasha, uh, which is about Yitzhak living in the land of the Plishtim. There is a famine, and Yitzchak and his family relocate, and they're moving in the uh, direction of the south. 
uh, and they come to a place called Gerar, uh, the land of the Plishtim, and Hashem says, don't go any further, don't go down to Egypt. Apparently that was uh, what Yitzchak intended to do. Uh, after all, when there's a famine, uh, Egypt is the place that can be counted on to still have food. Um, but Hashem says to Yitzchak, do not go down, rather you should stay in this land and settle it. Um, I will give this land also to you, the land of the Plishti will also be you, for you and your descendants, and I will bless you as I blessed Abraham, uh, who obeyed me. Chazal uh, explained that the reason why Yitzchak uh, should not go down to Egypt is that Yitzchak is a specific, uh, particular condition, uh, since the uh, Akedah, Yitzchak is a living korban, he's an olat and uh, just as one may not remove a korban from its designated uh, place, uh, so Yitzchak may not be removed from uh, Eretz Yisrael. While they're in this area, the land of the Plishtim, Yitzchak says of Rivka, that uh, she is his sister rather than his wife. Uh, he is afraid. He is afraid um, of uh, what happened in the past, uh, the case of Avraham and Sarah when they were in Egypt and also when they were in the land of the Plishtim. Uh, this fear that they would, uh, that the people there would kill him in order to take uh, his wife. So they say that they're brother and sister and uh, this way uh, Yitzchak will not be uh, killed. However, uh, unlike what happened two times before in the time of Avraham, uh, the, the Plishtim do not bother uh, Rivka at all. Uh, they don't take her, and uh, in essence, uh, Yitzchak, uh, after being there for a while, kind of lets his guard down. Well, it looks like they're not going to do anything so that they can behave as uh, husband and wife. And Avimelech realizes that they are husband and wife, and he confronts Yitzchak. Why did you do this? Um, and Yitzchak says, I was afraid for my life. Um, I was afraid that I would be killed so that people could take uh, Rivka, and that's certainly not something that uh, I wanted. Uh, but it might be noteworthy to, to keep in mind that uh, the situation doesn't seem to be as exactly the same as before, because uh, despite the fact that uh, Rivka was portrayed as uh, an unmarried woman, nobody bothered her. So uh, maybe the uh, Plishtim uh, had learned their lesson since the time that Abraham was there. Um, Avimelech says to his people, do not harm them, do not harm Yitzchak, his family, leave them alone. And so uh, Yitzchak remains, as Hashem said, he should remain there and really cultivate the place, and so Yitzchak uh, plants uh, in this area, and he is very successful. Uh, he's so successful that the uh, local people, the, the Polishtim, are jealous of his success. And one of the ways uh, that they manifest their, uh, their jealousness is by stopping up the wells that had been dug by Avraham in his time, uh, and removing any vestige that they had ever been there and uh, because they wanted to obliterate the connection of Avraham's family to 
to the land. Uh, Avimelech says to Yitzchak, you have to move farther away. It's, there's still too much uh, conflict. And so Yitzchak uh, moves away and he discovers these wells that had once been dug by Avraham. Uh, and so he redigs those wells, reasserting the family's uh, connection and uh, ownership of the wells themselves. He gives them the same names that Abraham had given them. And uh, the, uh, the dispute over the wells continue. Uh, and with each step, Yitzhak moves farther and farther away from Gerar and closer and closer to Beersheba. Uh, there are wells that Yitzhak himself discovers. And because there is controversy over them, uh, he calls them Esek, Sitna, and uh, because there is controversy. We'll talk about that a little bit more later on. And then uh, he digs another well, of which there seems to be no controversy, and that well he calls Rechovot. Uh, Hashem appears to Yitzchak, communicates with Yitzchak, and, and Yitzchak builds an altar. Uh, to commemorate this special moment when Hashem connected with him. And another well is discovered. Uh, Avimelech comes uh, together with his uh, general, Picho, and it uh, seems that they've decided that it doesn't pay to try to oppose Yitzchak, but rather to make a covenant with Yitzchak. And they have a celebratory feast together, and then Avimelech and Pichol and all of their people depart. Uh, this well that had been discovered, but which was not reported until after Avimelech left, is then uh, named Shiva, Shiva 7, and uh, that's connected to the fact that this area is Be'er Sheva. Uh, it is a well that had been talked about before. In that context, Sheva means an oath, but now it also means seven, uh, because there have been seven wells that Yitzchak has been involved with. The next part of the parasha, the main, uh, the main part maybe, certainly the long part of the parasha, has to do with the struggle over the blessing that Yitzchak wants to give his children. First we learn that when Esau is 40 years old, he marries, imitating his father, who married at the age of 40, but very differently from his father, Esau marries two Hittite women, uh, meaning that they are idolaters. And this fact causes great distress to both of his parents, not only to Rivka, but even to Yitzchak, who uh, has a preference for Esau. He is distressed by this. Yitzchak wants to bless Esau after this. And so he says to Esau, prepare game for me. Remember, Esau is a hunter. And then I will bless you. Rivka overhears this, and she instructs Yaakov to uh, disguise himself as Esav. Now, Yaakov doesn't want to do this at first, um, but uh, Rivka, first of all, assures that the disguise will be complete, um, especially because Yitzchak's eyesight is going, and uh, Yaakov will, will wear... Uh, some uh, hairy uh, garment, uh, which will be actually from the skin of the uh, of the animal, uh, and Yitzchak will touch those areas and think that uh, that it is a sav. So finally, um, 
when ya- Yaakov comes back uh, with the food that Rivka has prepared, um, and she has prepared them, and Yitzchak may think that this is the game. Uh, so Yitzchak blesses Yaakov, but he thinks it is Esav. Esav returns uh, after Yaakov leaves, and uh, fairly soon the deception is discovered that uh, Yaakov has, in a sense, stolen um, the blessing. Uh, Esav is uh, very, very uh, angry. He cries. Yitzchak does give Esav a blessing, but he reiterates that uh, the blessing that Yaakov has received, he is to retain. Um, I, I, I suppose the reason is that Yitzchak must conclude that uh, since this happened, uh, this must be the will of Hashem. Uh, Esau vows to kill Yaakov, and Rivka is aware of this. And so Rivka says to Yaakov, you have to be safe, go to my brother Lavan, uh, so that you will be safe from uh, Esau, and when the time is right, I will send for you. Uh, Rivka says to Yitzchak, uh, Yaakov is not married yet, um, send Yaakov to Lavan, to my brother Lavan, to find a wife. Uh, so that he will not be like uh, Esav, she says. Uh, I don't want Yaakov also to marry these local women. And so Yitzchak calls Yaakov, and um, Yitzchak tells Yaakov, go to your uncle Lavan to find a wife. And may Hashem bless you. And he says, may Hashem bless you with the blessings of Avraham. Uh, And uh, I, I would add, that it would seem that the brachot that Yitzchak gave uh, to the one he thought was Esav, and to the one who actually was Esav, was not the bracha of Avraham. The bracha of Avraham is given at this point, when Yitzchak knows that he's talking to Yaakov. Um, That was the bracha that would continue the creation of the Jewish people and the promise of the land of Israel. Yaakov departs for Lavan's home in obedience to his uh, parents' command, and uh, Esav, who realizes that uh, his parents are not very happy with his choice of wives, uh, marries two of Yishmael's daughters, uh, but he doesn't do the mitzvah uh, completely because he still remains married to uh, to the Hittite women. Going back to the uh, incident of the wells, um, it's uh, it's noteworthy that, uh, first of all, the two wells that are dug is an argument. So he calls the first one Esek, which means contention. And the second one is called Sitna, which is hostility. The third well that he digs, there's no uh, contention, there's no strife. Uh, and so he calls it Rehovot, which means expanses, meaning that he is allowed to uh, to expand in the land, and he's uh, very pleased with that. But the Ramban asks a fundamental question, which is, why does the Torah include this, uh, these events? Why is it important for us to know about uh, this well and that well? Um, isn't it just basically uh, uh, Yitzchak asserting his, uh, his ownership of the land, uh, making a living for himself? Uh, it, it's hard to understand, says the Ramban, uh, that such an incident would be so important that the Torah should include it. Therefore, the Ramban says that actually these three wells are symbolic and they are foreshadowing of the Beit HaMikdash. The first Beit HaMikdash will exist in a condition of 
uh, of uh, contention, uh, and uh, eventually it will lead to its destruction. The second is also uh, under a condition of hostility, and that very word, Sitna, is actually used with reference to the attempt to stop the building of the second Beit HaMikdash, that's discussed in the book of Ezra. But the third Beit HaMikdash, which may be built speedily in our days, uh, will uh, exist without any contention, without any strife, and uh, when that will happen, uh, then uh, that will be the era of the Mashiach, and therefore the third well, Rechovot, uh, is a reference to the third Beit HaMikdash, Beit HaMikdash of Mashiach. So this incident is included uh, because of its uh, foreshadowing of the three uh, Batea Mikdash, two which did not last, but the third which will be built and will remain forever. I thank you very much for joining me in this exploration of Parashat Toledot. This has been Rabbi Abraham Fisher for Parasha Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.